Father, we thank you that you are building us block by block, precept upon precept, pillar by pillar. You're building a church, a people who overcome the flesh, who overcome the schemes of our adversary, a people of faith, a people of love, a people of hope, a family. Father, you're establishing a family here on the hill. Spiritual brothers and sisters with the same Father, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you've called us, hand-selected and drawn us before the foundations of the earth were ever in being. And you marked us with your Spirit. And you breathed life into us and gave us life, the gift of life, and said, live, live, and be in relationship with me, where I will be your guide, and I will be your shepherd, and I will show you and lead you into green pastures of life within you, and you'll experience a full life. Obey me, love me, have me at the center of your world, and life will flow. Prioritize me. Look to me, for I am wisdom. And if you look to me, you won't be overwhelmed with everything that you see and your problems and your issues and your humanity. So look to me. I thank you for the gift of faith. Faith sees. I thank you that we have the ability to hear and see things that prevent us from being overwhelmed. So open our eyes to see the eternal promises that are in your living scriptures. Help us to see the promises that are now. And may our words be yes and amen, Father, with you. May we receive the fullness of truth, your Son. And so faith, faith, faith. I prophesy faith today. Biblical faith. Thank you that you've all given us a measure of it. But you want to enlarge this knowledge of you, Father. You want to enlarge our faith. You tell us if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, powerful things can happen when we are single-minded and we do not doubt and we know and we trust in you. And so, God, today I pray that measure would increase. The ability to see what is, know it, receive it and live from it. I pray for that faith today. In your son's name, the name above every name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. I'm not being rude, guys, but I'm just going to cover you with my whiteboard. I'll write that word up.
faith. Jesus said, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? How many of you know he's coming back? He's coming back, the Bible says, with a reward. And that reward is according to everything that you and I have done in him as a body and as individuals. And so he's returning with something very specific. And he says, when I return, will I find faith in my people? My version of faith, which births life, which is sight. Will I see a people of faith? A people who have let go of their own lives and their own dreams and their own desires and rested them down and then turned towards me and asked me to define those dreams, those desires, those plans, which are his. Will I find the people on the earth living for me and my way and seeing my kingdom established within them and through them? Will I find the church that's actually found doing what they're supposed to be doing rather than their own thing? And this is essential that we understand and come into and live from faith, amen? And this is what we've been looking at. We started last week. And once again, I'm just excited to the core that I have three more triplets inside of me. They're going to give birth today. Then this whole area of faith, living babies, living mana is going to come out of me. And I pray you can catch them. Catch them in your spirit, that you'd hear them, that you'd see them, receive them. For the word of God changes us. The substance, if you want medicine for you, it's him. Every issue we have, every insecurity we face, every worry, everything that we have that's in our humanity, the solution is him. And it's so simple that we miss it. But it's him. The more we receive him, the more life we have. Now we've received him and we're receiving him. Amen? And we'll continue to be filled, I mean, our minds renewed to the reality that is. And so this faith, the substance, is being birthed in us and we live from it. Not toward it, but from faith. And we go from faith to faith to faith to faith. It's a continuous process of a journey of knowing him, walking with him. And Hebrews 11, the whole chapter, is about these men and women that live their whole lives by that. Their whole lives, the Bible says, were lived by that. Faith. Not faith in themselves, but faith in God. Their whole lives. And if you would take the time and read all of chapter 11 and meditate, you will see the lives in which they lived. Being persecuted for that faith. Laying their lives down by faith. See, they'd found someone so powerful, so worthy to give their lives to, and it was faith 
that was empowering their lives. Does that make sense? And so, is faith empowering your life? What empowers you? Who empowers you? Where do you find you spend most of your time? And what are you doing? And is it connected to building a life of faith in Him? Is it connected to His priorities, His purposes, His dreams? Are those things truly establishing us as a whole and as an individual? Because there is a reward that Jesus is returning to give all those who I say yes and amen and are. And this is the challenge and the opportunity that we have, is to get on board with him and what he wants to see established and to find this life that's more than food and more than clothing. And faith plays an absolute integral part in that life. So Hebrews 11.1 says that faith is the assurance of what we hope for and the conviction of things unseen. It's the assurance of something that I'm hoping for, but I have an assurance of it. And it's a conviction of something unseen. So I've seen something that's unseen in the natural, but I see it in the spiritual, and it creates such a life in me that it turns me and has me living a type of life. As a young child, I hoped for a new bike, Scorpio five-speed bike, when I was about 12 and 13. I didn't have a conviction that I was going to get it, but I hoped for it. And I asked my mum and dad, you know, I had this sort of other bike and it was one of those no gears and it just had, you know, the back brakes, which were awesome for doing massive sort of skids on people's lawns and stuff. But anyway, <laughs> this one had five gears. It was colourful. It was like a 10-speed with racing handle bikes because I used to bike quite a way, I uh, lived in only car, I used to bike the Taradale for the job I did in Batten, so, you know, one speed was always a bit rough, but this was going to help make life a lot easier. But I didn't have an assurance I was going to get it. I certainly didn't have a conviction, but I was hoping. That's quite different from what he's saying here. See, an assurance is I would have known I was getting the bike. A conviction is something that I know. The bike is turning up on my birthday. And now I can live in accordance to that because now I can go buy a helmet if I needed one back then, but I didn't. But I could have gone bought a whole lot of accessories because I knew I was getting the bike. I had a conviction. Can you hear the difference? I didn't have that. I was just hoping that mum and dad were going to be generous towards me. But what the Bible's talking about here is something I can know. And so I know it, so I live from it. It creates a whole different movement. One is still sort of standing there going, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, maybe, hopefully, one day, but there's no movement. The other one is I'm moving towards it, so I'm moving. And then I receive. And my life has already started to build in accordance to what I was going to receive. This is what this faith is. So come with me to Hebrews 10. I just want to go back just one or two little verses before... 
We look at 11 and today. Hebrews 10 verse 37. Sorry, 38. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. My righteous one shall live by faith. Who's right here today? Who's been made right with him? So the righteous ones, by the blood of Christ, we've been made right. We are to live by faith. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him, but we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. We are not of those who shrink back to destruction. There's nothing worth looking back for, guys. There's nothing in your old life worth having. The Israelites were continually looking back to Egypt, thinking that it was life because they were petrified of what was ahead of them. And so what happens is when we can't see and we're not in this faith, we're continually like, maybe it was better backwards. Maybe it was better in those days. But I don't know about you, but my days, my old days, were nothing but heartache and destruction. Yeah, sure, there were some good things in, but overall you look back and you go, the life I'm in today does not compare to that at all. And why would I want to go back and eat that stuff? Why would I be like a dog that goes back or a pig that eats its own vomit? Why would I want to do that? Think about that. Vomit's disgusting, isn't it? Why would I want to eat that stuff? You see, this is why we have to be able to see the future, see forward, because that defines what we're going to eat. And if we're not eating this stuff, then more than likely when things get hard and tough, we're going to shrink back. And very quickly, before you know it, when you are not active in your pursuit, if you are just passive, you shrink back, and all of a sudden, fast forward hits, and you've gone back from there. Here. It took forever to get to this position in Christ, yes, but it takes all of one second to go flying back almost 20 years. And you're eating stuff and you're partaking of stuff, and all of a sudden everything becomes heavy and down, and we're in the mud again. And we've shrunk back. But the Bible says the people of faith don't shrink back, they move forward. Because faith propels us forward. Faith propels you into him. It's a pillar. It's a substance. It's a conviction that propels you on. And especially when things get hard and trials and loss and hurt comes, faith propels you to overcome those things because of the substance that's in you that you're now living from. It becomes like this overdrive power. And now you're like the Michelin man. That's what faith, biblical faith, will do. And the Bible says that God's given us a measure of it. And even that measure, you can say to the mountain, be moved. Because it's not faith in you, it's faith in him. 
It's faith in his ability. It's faith in him to do the work that he promises can be done because all his promises are yes and amen. And so we're not a people to shrink back because we have this massive, great God who promises a reality and faith is the thing that joins that reality with you. It's the bridge that links the two together. And so you just walk across it in rest because you're living by faith. And this is the opportunity that we have to live a life on earth by, through, and in faith in Him. So faith, these are the words I gave us last week, which will be in your notes, is the reality of the truth realized, known, and then acted upon in obedience to Christ. Underneath that, faith has the ability to see and receive all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that are in Christ and live in accordance to these treasures and wisdom. The Bible teaches us in Colossians 2, 2, that all the wisdom and treasures of knowledge are contained in Jesus Christ. And 1 Corinthians teaches that Jesus is the wisdom of God and the power of God. So think about that. The more Christ is being formed in you and I, we have more wisdom, we have more power. We're coming to understand the mysteries that can be known in Christ, because Christ is being formed, Galatians 4.19, in us. Which brings me into faith in him, because I start thinking and seeing like him. So where something once upon a time would look like impossible, my thinking has been renewed, and I go, of course it's possible, and I live in accordance to what is possible. So I now ask in accordance to what is possible because my mind has been renewed to the bigness of God according to the power that's working in me. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. It's incredible. And why? Because faith. We are men and women, children of faith. The substance, the conviction, the assurance of who we know and what we know, and we live from it. So listen to this in verse 2. So this is, we're just going to sit around Hebrews 11 verse 2 today, because there's so much in this. So verse 2 says this, For by it, meaning faith, the men of old gained their approval. Can you hear what I just said? By faith, by the assurance of what they were hoping for and the conviction of what was unseen, they gained their approval in God. What does that mean? They were made right, cleansed. You and I have received the blood of Jesus, did they? In that moment? Did they really? Was he around? So, yes, Jesus was there being entire, but it's in faith. It's not through the blood. Yeah? We've received our cleansing, our righteousness through the blood. The blushes washes us clean. But physically, Christ was not in the form that he died on the cross. 
The word was with God at the beginning and and through time God is moving through, but they received their righteousness through faith, not through the sacrifice of blood. This is powerful. Powerful by faith, by their knowledge of God. And then their obedience to God made them right with God. Cleansed them, made them holy. That they were able to live and come into the presence and do all the things that Abraham did. Abraham was credited as righteousness through faith. This is phenomenal, the depth to these six words. And yet we've received even something greater, the blood of Christ. So do you know how right you are? And then are we living in accordance to how right we are by faith? Do you know how much you belong to him? And that your behavior doesn't matter how much you belong because you are right in God. Because God came and died for you and by his blood washed you clean and said, now get up and live by faith in me. And here's these men and women living by faith in the knowledge of God that they have, the assurance because God is speaking to them, revealing to them, and then in obedience to God, act it out. And the Bible says that makes them righteous before him. This is not something little. This is something that should be captivating us if we can hear it, see it in our spirit, turn us, because there is something far greater for us even. And that's what it says in verse 40. It says they're waiting for you and I to come in so then they can be made whole with us. You see, it's always been about faith, guys. We've tried to make it about sin. And so the massive thing is to get over sin. No, it's about faith. Sin is still important, but it's not the first place thing. It's about faith. And when we have faith, sin just sort of dissipates because you're no longer eating of stuff and you're eating of him. But see, what the church has done over the centuries is we've made it all about sin. So it's all about the problem. You're the problem. The God of the promise, the creator of all things starts with a problem. And you're the problem. No, the God of the universe started with a promise. It's always been about a promise. Eat from any of the trees. Just watch that one. You know what we do? Watch that one. There's all those ones, but watch that one. See the difference between flesh and spirit? God's a God of faith. He says, I want to trust you. So I put this dynamic in the picture, but I want to trust you that you're going to live by faith. So here's all the trees you can eat from. He's always starting by faith, not by fear. Do we start by fear or faith? He's the God of faith. Live by faith, not by fear. But you see Adam and Eve, when they partook, now they're living by fear. And now Adam's running away. Bless God, because he runs after us. Because he's the God of faith. And it was faith in God that made these men and women righteous. It is faith in Jesus Christ that makes you and I righteous. And I look and I see people living in accordance to the faith that they knew. And we are too as well. We are so free, it's scary. The faith he wants us to live by 
You could spell it, and you've probably seen this, is this word. Yep. Or risky. And these guys lived risky lives. They put their life on the line every day for the person that they loved and the person that they knew. Hollywood makes fantastic movies about it. The hero puts his life on the line for the female. I'll die for you, honey. I'll take the bullet. You had me at hello. (laughs) It's all there. Are we prepared to live that way for him? Because we love him. See, it's all motivated by love, isn't it? And faith. So, this is the faith we are to be living our lives from. Come with me to James 2. And I read this last week, but I just want to go over this as a cementing of what I've just said. So James 2 verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So it's this position of oneness that through the works, this faith was being perfected, being made whole, coming into a position of one. And so through the knowledge Abraham had, through the conviction that he had, the assurance of what he had in God, he is asked by God to sacrifice his son, to which he said, yes, Lord, because if you you read all of Hebrews 11, you'll see that he knew that God could raise him from the dead. So he has an absolute conviction that he steps into, because he knows. And it's a work led by God, wasn't it? So the work, not any work, but the work that the Holy Spirit, God asked them to do, faith, works are present, bingo. Faith is perfected, that made him righteous. You see why the Bible says if there is something God's asking you to do and you don't do it, it's a sin. Because you don't do it, why? Because you're in fear. Go share your faith with that person over there. No. But it's God asking you to do it. And the Bible says if you don't act upon that, it's a sin. Now here's the good news, sin can be forgiven. But that weight should hit us. Because fear has got me in that particular context. Why don't you start giving some money? No. But I'm asking, I'm telling you, my Bible tells you to. No. Sin. Anything that's not of faith 
is sin. Sin can be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus, that that doesn't hold us back. Doesn't prevent you from coming into the life of faith. You hear what I'm saying? So his blood has cleansed you, but fear can hold you back. Your sin doesn't prevent you, though. Can you hear what I'm trying to say, what I'm I'm trying to get through? So if you let it, it can, but from God's perspective, my sin doesn't stop me from coming into this life of faith. If I choose it, I choose to move away from it because of the blood that's covering me of what he's done for me and in me. But if I don't, fear can have a hold of me and it can grip me because fear is the opposite of faith and you're going to live from one or the other. You either live from fear or faith or faith or fear. And ultimately, we choose because of our relationship with him and how we're seeking that out. Because the Bible says that he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He gives us faith. Fear is not of him, it's of somewhere else. So to live from fear means you're not living in accordance to the spirit, but you're living in accordance to the flesh. And then you will shrink back. But the Bible says my people don't shrink back because there are people of faith. And so I want to urge you, encourage you to be people of faith. And if you're fearing things, take them to him. Look to him so you won't be overwhelmed and talk to him about them. Not to your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, your friend first. Talk to the one who can actually heal it. Talk to the one that can actually do a work. Give it to him. Get real with him for he knows. So then you can move away from that fear and walk into faith and overcome the challenges that are going to come your way because they will come. So he's made a way. That we can live by that. But it is that. I don't know whether half of us probably realise what we were signing up for when we said I want to be a follower. Ask yourself why. Why did you actually become a follower? Because that question will reveal a whole lot of stuff. If it was just to get you get out of jail card from hell... That's cool, because it got you, but that's not the reason, the full reason. He wants you and I to be heirs of his kingdom now and in the future. He wants you and I to come into the fullness of the life that he died for. And you come into it by faith. By faith, by faith. By faith, by faith they did. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Enoch. By faith, James. By faith, Peter. I think this faith thing is something to look at, yeah? Because it creates life. So let's go to Romans 4.13. Romans 4.13. And look at three passages out of Romans. 4.13. I'd encourage you to read all of Romans 4. It says, justification by faith evidence in the Old Testament. So that's what the whole thing's really about. Justified by faith, just as if you'd never sinned. You and I have been justified by the blood of God, yes? By faith in that. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be an heir of the world was not through the law. 
but through the righteousness of faith. So I'll read that again. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants. Are you a descendant of Abraham? Tell me you are. Great. <laughs> this is for you guys. <laughs> that he, meaning the descendant, would be an heir of the world was not through the law. Not through all the things that were put in place. That was not how you were going to be an heir. See, from right day one, as I said, it has always been about faith. It's always been about love. And then God had to put the ten laws in place to get us back to being about faith. Because here's the challenge for us in relationship. We're not that good at living out a relationship. We love rules. And if you give mankind too much freedom in relationship, he abused the relationship. And he lives for himself. So God had to put some rules in play to help us get back to Jesus. And that's the whole point of the law, was to point you towards Christ. But it never started there because it was never in place. It started through faith. Abraham walked the walk of faith before the law was ever introduced. So God is constantly loving on us. You see God's heart through that. You see he's not about rules first. He's not about this and that. He's about love. And he wants us living by love. And if you know love, guess what you do? You obey love by faith. See, obedience is to be motivated by love and activated by faith. Not because of, yes, tick the box, good little Christian boy, rules. But we struggle with relationship and we love rules because we know the rules. We might not know the one of relationship. So rules are safe. Tell me what I am to do or what I'm not to do so I can walk it out. But there's no life in that. It's robotic. So the father says, that's not how this comes. This is not how the heir, the kingdom comes. It's through faith. That's why it's not about being a Jew, a Gentile, black, white, pink, yellow. It's about people of faith, people of the spirit who are of faith. That's where the heir, that's where the kingdom is. Isn't that good news for you and I? Isn't it good news that you don't have to be a scholar to enter into this? You just have to be humble. Just humble is a big topic. (laughs) Sounds easy, but it ain't. Everything in God is simple, but it's deep. And the power is found in the simplicity of God. And we're all looking for the complicated version. Because that tickles our mind. But he just says, love me with all your heart, and you'll find life. See, he simplifies everything. So here's this promise, but through righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are ears, faith is made void, and the promise is nullified. You want to come into the fullness of life in Christ to what you were created for, the promised heirship, co-heir, now in the future, We need to live by faith. We need to come into an understanding, a revealed position of the true knowledge of God. Not our version, a true knowledge. There are so many promises contained in Jesus Christ. When they are received and in your spirit, they create life. And now we live by faith. We live as ears now. We live in the royalty that we've been given 
now. A co-heir with Christ now. In the spirit realm. From a spiritual which comes out in the physical. I'm not talking about standing up and being in positions of all this and all that. I'm talking about the spiritual kingdom of God being renewed, established in your heart and your mind, and then coming through you. An ear of that. Now, it's a two-part picture for the future. This is what he's returning with his reward, to give that reward to those that are going to do it in another time frame called a millennium. It's meaty stuff, eh? Come here to 16, 24. Romans 4, 16 to 24. This is cool. And this is faith in demonstration. For this reason, it is by faith, in order that it may, may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you in the presence of him whom he believed, even God, listen to this, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. <laughs> you look at a situation... How do you look at it? Do you look at it as dead or alive? Do you go, you know what, God can change that? Is that a mindset we have because that's faith? You see, we are not to look at the physical and make a judgment on what's physical. You to see in the spirit and make a judgment determined by the spirit. If you just look at the natural, things get depressive. Aren't they? You're real depressive if you just look in the natural. But if you're a person who is of faith and sees in the spirit what God's doing, that's where the life is. And God can take things that are dead and turn them back to life. So things that you might think are over might not be. Now, ultimately, it's hearing Him. So I don't want to give you false hope, but you've got to hear Him. If He speaks something out, it's going to happen. If God speaks something, it will happen. Irrelevant of you. Because he's the God of faith. The opportunity we have is attach and have our mind renewed to that. So then we get to partake and participate in what he wants to do in and through us. There's an opportunity in a lifetime. And this is what's about to happen here. In hope, verse 18, against hope, he believed, this is Abraham, so that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken. So God speaks, you're going to have a child. And he believes. Who can tell me how old he was? He's a hundred. Listen to this. Okay? According to what has been spoken, so shall your descendants be. Without being weak in faith, he contemplated in his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, with respect to the promise of God, 
he would have a child. He did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, being fully assured, what is hope? The assurance of what you hope for, that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. What kept the Israelites out of the promised land? Sin or unbelief? Unbelief. This goes back to my point before. Sin doesn't stop us entering into, I am a sinner. My name is Simnor. It's close, isn't it? (laughs) I'm Simnor the Sinner. Of which I am the worst probably out of all of you. But I also know I am a son. And I also know that sin or the sinner does not restrict sin or the son from entering into the promise that was. Because I am a lineage of Abraham. So as Abraham, I am. And here's a man who's a hundred and his wife's ninety. And God says, you're going to have child. And he didn't look at his own body. He recognizes I'm a hundred. But he doesn't let the natural get in the way of what God has said. Why? Because he's a man of faith. Because he hears and he receives the promise and goes, yes and amen. He had to wait 25 years. That's an interesting message in its own. Wait upon the Lord for what the Lord speaks. Don't get in the way of the Lord and stuff it all up. Because you can. But he's so loving, he can bring it back. Abraham almost stuffed it up, didn't he? But listen to these words. In respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief but grew strong in what? Faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Your education doesn't stop you, or lack of it. Where you were born, the culture, your family line, what you experienced growing up, none of that will stop you, can stop you. If you're a person of faith, because it trumps it all. It may be hard getting to that place. Yes, it may be a struggle. There may be things we need to go through. There's pain that God wants to come in and heal. And he wants to do a deep-rooted work. So we have to get vulnerable and open up and let him and other people in. But ultimately, if we will go through the way, the truth, and the life, and the process by faith, trust in him, he will heal the brokenhearted, he will set the captive free, and it is fully possible to live in that promise. And there are umpteen promises for the church of Jesus Christ in his words that are spirit and are life.
And the Bible says, would you live by faith and come into it and trust in me? In Romans 5 verse 1 to 2, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope of the glory of God. You and I have been graced to live a type of life. God's grace is covering us right now and has been from the beginning of time. Not that we would just live what we want to live, but we would understand who we've been called to be. You see, grace is the power that enables you to live out the truth. And you live it out by faith. So all these things are interconnected. Faith, hope, grace, love, it's all interconnected into one position in him. That's why upon the revelation of Jesus Christ, the church is built. And we are justified. We have peace with God. People that are yet to be reconciled are going to suffer the wrath of God and the judgment of God, aren't they? You and I are the opposite camp if we've received him. The peace. (laughs) That's God. He wants to talk to him. That's all right, mate. That's good. You and I have received peace. So is that peace empowering us? I said last week, the truth is to be realized. The truth is to be known. Jude 1.3 talks about contending for the faith. Contending for the faith that's being preached. Contending with God and one another. Because as you read verse 4, it says people were coming in and trying to distort it. People were coming in from within, trying to distort what the true faith was. Creating another version which is powerless and lifeless and does nothing. And Jude is writing saying, contend, contend, seek, go after faith that creates assurance, faith that creates conviction, faith that you live by, which creates you to let go and enables you to let go of you and grab hold of him wholeheartedly. That's the faith you and I were born for. That's the faith you and I were created to know and receive. That's the faith that overcomes the world. It's not a faith to just words and there's no punch. Bible says that God spoke to Noah about unseen things. And in reverence to what God spoke to Noah about, he built a what? An ark. 
and that ark saved his household. Who's the modern day ark? Who's the modern day house? The modern day tabernacle? Are you being built in a way because you have reverence? Because by faith, God's speaking to you about unseen things that creates so much life that he builds you to the point where you're so on fire that you can't contain it. And although you can't save anyone, your household knows about Jesus because of you. And those in your life know about you. And so the Holy Spirit is leading people unto salvation because of you. See, don't just look at the physical words. Look at the Spirit. Look at what God's saying. Look at the real meaning behind just the words there and see the magnitude of what sits. In reverence to what God was speaking to Noah about, he did something that was completely foreign to him in his time because there hadn't been rain. And everybody's looking at him going, probably, what an idiot. Who's this guy? What a... He doesn't care. Why? Because he's a man of faith. Because what God has talked to him about is so stirring him and he knows it's going to happen because the world is going to end. See what faith does? It's the knowledge of something that starts to stir and it creates an action of a change. Abraham goes to kill. Noah's building an ark. Rahab is hiding the people upstairs in the closet. There is an obedience, there's an action that flows out of faith. That's why the Bible says, if you don't have deeds, don't tell me about your faith. I'll tell you about my faith and I'll show you my deeds that go with it. Guys, this is the faith. God is sick and tired of words. He's sick and tired of worship that is empty. He's tired of it. The Bible even tells you, I don't want your songs. I don't want you this. I want your heart. He says things like this in Isaiah. He says, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. He says, your reverence comes from tradition learned by rote, meaning your reverence for me comes through just man-made traditions that you go through motions. He's saying your lips, you know how to speak the right, but there's no action. There's no behavior shift. The heart, which is the center point of God in us, the spirit where God comes to live and he guards your heart. There's no action. It's empty words. And our behavior is the true state of our lives. That's what God's looking at, not your words, your heart. It's a judgment of the heart. And he sees it and he's gracing us. So if we find ourselves in a position where our words don't match our actions, there is a gracing and empowering to bring that together for you and I that we can experience true faith and true life in him because he wants you and I to be separated from the world. He wants us to be so foreign but so relatable to the world. Do you realize that? He wants you to be an alien but an alien that relates with wisdom from above because the wisdom of God, Jesus, is in you. Why? Because you're a person of faith. Because you realize the magnitude of what it's about. And these men and women were approved by the substance of faith. You and I have been approved by the blood of Christ. And our faith and the outworking of that through spirit-led works. That's just one verse. (laughs) So we're going to have communion now.
And I want to have it by faith. I want you to think about what you've heard. I'd ask you to start talking to him about where you're really at with him, where you're at with faith. Get real with him. The Bible says, before you take communion, just check where you're at. So you might need to do that today. But know he is the God of love and faith and promise who wants to take you and I as his people and do such a profound work in us that would have us reflecting the lives of Hebrews 11. And what we're about to partake on is his body that that was done for the reality of what I just said. That's what communion is all about. It's not just about taking bread and wine. Thank you, Lord. It's about realizing the fullness, remembering, and allowing that life to be formed in you, that the death and the life. Paul said, I want to know him. I want to know the power that rose him from the grave. And I want to have fellowship with the man's sufferings. Then he said this, imitate me as I imitate him. So Father, I thank you for this another amazing day. And I thank you for your living word. And I pray, Father, that we can hear it because it builds faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And I thank you that your word is living and active. And so, God, as we partake of you, however we want to do that as individuals that are in a group, Father, and I pray we would engage with you. I pray we would pray from our innermost being. And wherever we're at, we'd share it honestly and openly and know and know and know and know that you are so faithful to perform the work that you performed. And that is one example of a trillion examples of how you are so faithful to perform on your word in your time. So, Father, we honor you today and we thank you and we remember the sacrifice of your son. And we thank you that it empowers indestructible, abundant life in you. So help us to find it. Help us to go after it. May we be like a dog with a bone and not quit and persevere until we find this life in you by faith. For the righteous shall live by faith. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.